and going to be reading verse 16, Psalm 51. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Amen. Good to be in the house of God. I have two announcements to make today. One is a pleasant, an unpleasant announcement. Another one is a very pleasant announcement. Um, this week, I only for the second time in uh, my ministry leading this church, I uh, I've had to ask a couple to leave the church. And uh, sometimes, you know. Things happen in a church and nobody knows about them. And, you know, people have questions and they speculate. And I believe things, if they're in the light, it's better because the devil can't get in. But I don't want to go into all the details because I don't like to uncover people. But the, the issue I dealt with was um, dishonoring and undermining, continually undermining the leaders of the church and suggesting that there was a better way and trying to encourage other people to go that way. And um, leadership is costly and the Word of God speaks about, you know, honouring leaders. Um, and it also says not to tolerate division. So this couple were given an opportunity to repent or to leave. Because if that happens in the church, it's not tolerated. It's not to be tolerated. So they chose to leave. So that's sad, but sometimes that happens in the life of a church. That's the negative one. The good one is, this is a great opportunity, particularly for a school teacher. We, um, when we went to Pakistan, we've started a school over there because the kids were being put into Muslim schools and, the, and they were being lost to Christianity. And it's a long story, but a lot of the, the Christian schools there that had been there had been bought by the government in COVID and the, children, the parents were really uh, worried about losing their kids to Islam because when they go to a government school, they've got to learn the Quran and they're badly persecuted. So we started a school. That school needs teachers. Here's an opportunity. You may want to... We need to fund the teachers. We've paid for all the, the, um, the set-up shoes and the bags and the books but it's um, it's about a hundred dollars a month to sponsor a teacher and I just anyone who's listening online today maybe you're a school teacher at a Christian school or something like that or maybe not even a Christian school I, I think this is a great thing to sow into so uh, maybe take it over to St. Phillips give them the great opportunity or other, sc other, other schools because this is this is really important. It's re I said to these people over there, they're in great poverty. I said, do you want us to help us with food? We can give you food because people were a bit hungry, only having one meal a day. They said, we don't care about food, but we want our children to stay with Christ. So just, just tremendous. Okay, we're going to come to the Word of God today. And I'm going to add a little scripture reading to what my wife read. And... Um, it's in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus, the feeding of the 5,000. He said to this boy who had five loaves and two fish, bring them to me. 
Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed it, then he broke it, then he gave it to the disciples and the disciples gave it to the multitudes and all ate, about 15,000 people, took up the 12 baskets full of the garments that remained and those are eaten about 5,000 besides the women and children. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it, and it multiplied. Father God, we come to your word today, and Lord, we know that you're different to every other idol, everyone else who claims to be a God. You're a living God, and you speak to our hearts. And when you speak into our hearts, we are changed. And that's what we are here for today, Lord. Every person here, Lord. You want to change them. You want to heal them. You want to deliver them. And if they have been changed, you want to change them further until we all uh, represent your heart to this world. Do it today, Lord. Move in our hearts, not our heads. Move in our hearts today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I've spoken about this many times and I, I, I delight in it that, that one of the, the most uh, significant scriptures in all the Bibles tells us that God's ways are not our ways. And you've really got to get a revelation of this because if you think of God in terms of, of human things and human thinking and human reasoning, you can never ever get on the page of God. You can never comprehend Him. You can never understand what He's doing. His ways are not our ways. The Bible says his ways, I, I call it his kingdom. It's not like kingdoms of men. It's, it's an upside down kingdom. And in many ways, the principles of God are opposite to the principles of man. For instance, he says, Jesus came to give an abundant life, an eternal life. To live that life, you've got to die. You've got to die to your self-centeredness to live the abundant life. He says, in order to receive from God, you have to become a giver, not a hoarder. You've got to give and give generally, and then God will give to you. If you want to be exalted, you don't lift yourself up. The Bible says you humble yourself to be exalted. If you want to be free, totally free, the most free people in the world, you've got to become Christ's slave. Just obey him and nobody else, but obey him completely. That's the way you get free. And here's another thing that people struggle to understand. If you want to be blessed, you've got to be broken. The, God doesn't delight, my, my wife wrote earlier, doesn't delight in sacrifices. God's not looking for dead works and human sacrifices. He says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These are God you will not despise. And David wrote this after he had been broken by his own sin. And this passage, there's three times in the Bible, and it's significant, that Jesus took bread in his hand. And on each occasion when he took bread in his hand, Jesus took it to himself, took it, he blessed it, then he broke it. He did it at communion, he did it on the road to Emmaus. And in this passage here, when Jesus took it, he blessed it, 
And then he broke it. And as he broke it, it multiplied and he gave it to the people. And God's plan for you is to take you to himself, to bless you, then to break you and multiply you and give you to the world. That is his plan. And I just make a point. This bread, this miracle of multiplication did not happen when he blessed the bread. It happened when he broke the bread. It's only when you're broken can you multiply. It's only in the breaking that the bread multiplies. And a mistake I made, and I think a lot of other people make, is that when God calls you and he takes you, and he's going to use you. And who wants to be used by God? I hope you all want to be used by God. When we, when we think God is going to use you, we think God is going to call us to himself. He's going to bless us. Then he's going to give us a fancy suit and a microphone. I thought that. That's how I thought ministry worked. Until I discovered that wasn't God's path. I, for many years, even from the age of 15, I knew I would preach to nations. I knew it. God had given me, a, 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 when I was saved under Billy Graham, God had said, you'll preach to multitudes. And to cut a long story short, I just thought, well, I've been to Bible college and I'm ready. I won, the, uh, I won a prize at Bible college for preaching. And I thought, here I am. I'm really good. <laughs> even though I wasn't. And... What happened was that God took that youngish, proud young man who had a genuine calling. And to cut a long story short, we were in a denomination. We had to leave over kind of a loyalty to the Holy Spirit issue. And when I was in that denomination, I had recognition and I had invitation and I had platform and all the rest of that. But when I left and we started this church, at the beginning, there was only about 20 people when we opened up in a hall. And my days, for a number of years, I would preach on a Sunday. And during the week, the only people that kind of came for counsel or advice, or they'd come to see my wife. And my job was to take my children down to the park and push them on the swing so they wouldn't make a noise. And for about three years, that was my life. And it broke me. I just realized in those three years, all that I was not. I realized God showed me all that was wrong. I realized there's nothing I could do to make the plan of God happen. There was no good thing in me. There was no strength in me. And the only thing that was going to, if it was ever going to happen, it was going to be God. So God breaks people. Ministry is costly, and it can only be done from a position of real brokenness. And I learned the importance of being broken unto God. And I've learned over the years, the, if God wants to use you more, he breaks you more. If he's going to increase your fruitfulness before he does it, he'll break you more. Till you realize and really understand that your flesh, no matter how 
much you may have been impressed, can produce nothing. It's all of God. It, when God works, you give him all the glory. And he taught this, Jesus taught this principle. This principle is taught all the way through the Bible. And in many, many types of teachings, Jesus was making this point and, and Paul was making this point. The Bible makes it all the way through the importance, if you're going to be used by God, of, ex, of going through that broken experience. And it's not, God doesn't break you to hurt you. He breaks you to make you. He's got to get rid of the pride, the self-trust, the self-confidence. He's got to get you to the place where you actually just trust him and alone. Jesus said these words before he died. He said, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. What he was saying was a grain of wheat, it looks, it's shiny and it looks good. He said, but if it stays in that shape, it only produces itself. It only produces that one grain. But in order to become productive, in order to multiply, just like the bread, he says, this grain has to fall to the ground, not only fall to the ground, and die. And he says, if it goes through that process, it will produce much grain. That means when, the, when the, this, this kernel of wheat fell to the ground and it went under the ground, the, the, uh, the kernel cracked and what was in it came out. It was broken. And in that process of being broken, it produced much grain. But if it was unbroken, it just produces a single grain. And we can, if, we, and if, it's, if it's really important to me how good I look, how shiny I am, I'll just remain that much fruitful. If I won't go through the breaking, I just produce that one single grain. And another time in the just previous chapter, Jesus spoke about, it's really about worship, and it's about a woman who had been touched and saved by Jesus, and she came and she had an alabaster jar, and it teaches us that true worship is about brokenness and also wastefulness, because this, what was in her jar was very, very expensive, worth about a year's salary. It was this type of perfume. And so she had this, this fragrance, this beautiful fragrance, and it was in a jar, and as long as it was in a jar, that fragrance only affected the jar. But when she came before Jesus, she took this costly fragrance. And when it was broken, that fragrance filled the entire room. And you and I have a treasure in a jar of clay. You and I are called the fragrance of Christ. But if we are unbroken, that fragrance only affects us. But after you've been through the breaking of God, when you walk into a room, your life becomes a fragrance to the whole room. It is, it is so in the Scriptures how God teaches brokenness. And in this passage that I read earlier about the bread and the loaves, if the bread was only blessed, the bread would have remained unchanged. But when it was broken... Those five lows, five can become 50,000. That's how God works. And you see this all the way through the Scriptures. You see a man like Moses. Moses was this man who was like that kernel of wheat. He was upright and he was shiny and he was proud and he was raised in the house of 
Pharaoh and he was educated and he was strong and he was good looking and people believe, a lot of commentators believe he was going to be the next Pharaoh. He was being groomed. And, but he had a calling of God on his life. He knew he was, a, he was born a Hebrew and he knew he was called. He had this inner calling that he couldn't shake that God was going to use him to deliver the Hebrews who were in slavery in Egypt. Yet when he tried to do it in his own strength, he killed one man. He killed God. He only killed one Egyptian. So God then took this proud, upright kernel of wheat. He took this man and he took him through God's school of preparation. And he took him into the wilderness where he, this proud man for years, an educated man, all he did was look after a few sheep. And instead of living in Pharaoh's palace, he lived in his father-in-law's house, dependent upon his father-in-law. For 40 years he went through this. And finally, he comes, this 40 years has so broken him of all his pride. He comes out and then God calls him afresh. And Moses responds and says, I can't do it. I'm, I'm the wrong guy. I stutter. He's aware of all that he isn't rather than all he is. Yet, he killed one Egyptian as this proud and upright young man, 40-year-old. Yet, when he comes through God's school of brokenness, he comes out as an 80-year-old man, broken under the hand of God, and then God can use this man, not to kill one man, but to drown the entire Egyptian army. Because when we're broken, we multiply. When God has broken us, our usefulness to God multiplies. And you see this all through the Scriptures. You see Joseph as a 17-year-old man again. He's a 17-year-old boy and he's... He has a dream and he knows God's calling. He knows he's going to be used by God, but he's proud and he tells people about how God's going to use him. And so what does God do? He allows his brothers to come and take Joseph and to cruelly throw him in a pit, puts him in a pit, and then these slave traders come along and young Joseph is sold as a slave and left for dead. This young man. And then he goes through years when he's in a prison, forgotten. And uh, finally, he, God gets him to his destiny where he becomes, God uses him so much that he's used to bring salvation to other nations in a, in a, in a famine because Egypt has food and he's, he's managing all this. And everything, his dream that, that he had, everything was fulfilled. But when he came, his brothers came to him years later, they made the, the, the comment and they said, we saw the anguish when we did it to you and you pleaded with us not to sell you and you were put in that pit. We saw the anguish and the pain and the brokenness in your face. And this is how J Joseph responded to them. He said, yes, Genesis 50, 20, but what you meant for evil, God meant it. God meant it to happen for good. In other words, he's saying, for me to become what I had to become, the making was in the breaking. And it later on goes in Genesis 49, 26, it said, Joseph was a fruitful vine 
whose branches go over the wall. In other words, he, God made him like not only fruitful, but his branches went over the wall. When God makes you fruitful, your branches go over denominations, over nations. They, 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 it's, it's incredible fruitfulness that God has for your life. But he went through that school of brokenness. Same, same thing with David. You see, David David slays Goliath, and everyone's singing about him and saying, David has slayed, he's, Saul has slain thousands, but David slayed ten thousands, and he's, he's riding high, and he's known as the giant killer, and the one who goes out and all the women cheer because he's good-looking and he's handsome. And he's got this great destiny. Saul brings him into the palace. It's all about to happen. And then suddenly God changes Saul's heart. And Saul's throwing spears at David. And David spends years in a cave running from Saul. And in that cave, he is totally broken under God. Years, 10 years, living in a cave. Looking after malcontents and Vagabonds, broken, yet in that condition, 150, the majority of those Psalms, 150 were written by David in that cave. God multiplied him in his brokenness. You see this again with the Apostle Paul. Paul is called, he's, he's, he's this great Pharisee, he's a great teacher, he's known as a great teacher in the religious world, but then God calls him to be the apostle to the Gentile. He calls him out of Judaism, he gets saved as an encounter with Jesus, and, and he's so qualified, this guy's a, he's a genius, and what does God do with him? He actually puts him in obscurity for eight years in Arabia, where nobody knows of him, he's, nobody's coming to him, this great man, total obscurity, and then... When God starts to raise him up, he gives him this thorn in the flesh that he asks God to take away from three times. And he speaks about being broken under this thorn. Yet this ex-Pharisee who went through God's school of brokenness became more fruitful than every other apostle that physically lived with Christ. The only person in the Scripture that really didn't make it but was called, that, that is an example for it, was King Saul. He was just as gifted. He was probably more qualified than David, and he was God's first choice. But when Samuel came to him and disqualified him, he said, you were only good when you were small in your own eyes. And this is what, he says, but now you're not small in your own eyes. And God, this is the point of brokenness. God needs to bring us to the place where we are small in our own eyes. When people were coming against David, Saul was coming against David, David actually says, why do you come against me? I'm a flea. And he really meant it. So God, when God, we go through that school of when you're pushing the swing, when you're going through that time, there's many ways God can bring you to a place of brokenness. He can, he can break you through correcting. And when you're corrected by someone who's further down the path than you, you either accept it and it can break you or you can reject it. And you don't get to where God's taking you. And God can, God can break us through correction. He can break our pride through uh, putting us in a place where we feel like we're forgotten. There's many ways God can do it. Making you be overlooked. I think of 
this young man called Jacob who was a, who was a, a capable young man, but he was a kind of a self-made young man. He became wealthy in his father-in-law's house, but he was a deceiver and he, was, he had confidence in his own self and God had a great plan for him. He turned this young man and changed his name, changed Jacob into Israel. But before he did it, he, Jacob has this encounter with the angel where God wrestles him to the ground and he actually overcomes his strength and he realizes that this God he can't overcome. And in that wrestling with God, it says that God actually touched his hip and this man for the rest of his life had a bad limp. But if you asked him, if you asked Jacob, what happened to your hip? He, his answer would be, that was when God blessed me. That was when I lost all my self, uh, self opinions. That's when I lost all my self will. And that's when I, you know, I, I, I now walk with a cane and it reminds me to depend upon God for everything. And, and he, he brought him to that place. The, the, the most profound example in the New Testament is found with a man called Peter. And Peter was an ordinary man, he was a fisherman, and he had a business, he had a boat, and he was called by God. And when he was called by God, he was called and uh, um, saw Jesus do miracles. He was part of the inner sanctum of Jesus. He followed Jesus. He heard Jesus preaching. He saw the power in Jesus. He saw the woman come out of that, that home and touch the, the, the hem of Jesus' garment, just be instantly healed. She, he saw it all. And then he was called to be part, not just of the followers, he was called to be part of the 12, the disciples. So he was he was. He was somebody in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said, not only in the 12, Jesus had three, which were the kind of elevated ones within the 12 and the most trusted one. Peter was one of the most trusted. He was part of the three. And he followed Jesus and took it. Jesus took him into his confidence. And then Jesus said, you're not only part of the three, you are the rock on which I'm going to build my church, Peter. And like many people, that really changed Peter's well, I don't know if it changed him, but he had, there's no doubt he had a high opinion of himself. And he believed that he was a little bit more spiritual than other people. Some people do that. I'm just a little bit more spiritual than the average person. And so you see it in Luke chapter 22. This man says, uh, he says, Jesus says, I'm going to the cross and you're all going to fail. And Jesus says, no, no, not me. They're all going to flee. They're all going to flee from you, but not me. I am going to be the one who makes it. And, uh, and it says that Jesus prayed for him. He says, Satan has asked for you that you may sift you as wheat, but I've prayed that your faith should not fail. Notice he doesn't pray that his, his life would not fail. He says, I've prayed that your faith would not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Peter says, no, no, I'm ready to go with you, God. Jesus, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and death. And Jesus says, I tell you, the rooster shall not crow three times before you will deny me three times and say you don't know me. So he's saying, I, 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 I'm, I'm not like the others. I'm somebody who's going to stay with you. And uh, he really had high 
thoughts about himself, but Jesus loved him so much. And you know what he said? He said, and this is, this is not common, but sometimes we think to commit adultery is a terrible sin. But Jesus said, if you deny me, I'll deny you before my heavenly father. He didn't say if you commit adultery, I'll deny you before my heavenly father. He said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my heavenly father. So to deny Christ before men is a serious sin. It's a serious sin. And Peter did it three times. And why? You know, it says that before Peter did this sin, he actually had to go in the courtyard of Cephas and John was at the gate and John had to let him in. Now, John could have easily just said, you can't come in, and would have, he would have kept him from it. But God allowed him to be brought into the place where he knew he was going to sin and to fall into sin like this. Peter's experience, if you really have ever fallen into sin, it's like falling into a sewer. That's what it is to fall into sin. If you're in Peter's position and you fall into sin, it's like falling into sewer and God allowed it. God allowed Peter, and sometimes, not, this is not his preferred, it's his last option. God will allow people to fall into the thing which he hates. He hates sin. But Peter had this experience, this proud, upright, single grain of wheat, unbroken man, fell into sin, surprised himself, crossed a line that he never thought he'd cross. Jesus said, but I prayed for you. After this happens, you're going to remember that God still loves you and you're going to return to God and then you'll become the rock after you've reached rock bottom. And you say, why did God allow that? Why didn't he stop him going into Cephas's gate? I'll tell you why. It's because brokenness under God is so important. And this man, all he'd ever done is follow Jesus. Jesus sent him out from mission. Maybe he'd converted one person here and there. But that wasn't God's plan for Jesus. See, what you see in the Scriptures, in six weeks' time, Peter is going to preach the most important and powerful sermon that has ever been preached. It's hard enough to convert one Jew, but he is going to convert 3,000 Jews and see them all baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he cannot do that as an unbroken man. He cannot do it. Maybe if he'd preached that as an unbroken man, he would have got one or two. But Jesus' plan is to take us, to bless us, to break us, so that we can multiply and be given to the world. That's his plan. And the breaking is the making. The breaking is the making. Sometimes you know God can take you, He can break you through a process. Or he can break you through an event. Peter was really broken by one event, one falling into sin. Or he can break you through a process. He can make, put you in a place where you're forgotten, where you're unfulfilled. And you know you're in the will of God. But it's, and God's just kind of showing you things about yourself. All through the Scriptures, there's different ways. He can put you in a place where you're just forgotten. You're in obscurity. 
So you learn that you're not really all that. You're not really as important as you think you are. You know, the greatest, they say the greatest painting that ever was painted was on the roof of a chapel. It's called the Sistine Chapel. Some of us, if you're an art fan, you know it was painted by a man called Michelangelo. Who knows that Michelangelo painted the Sistine Chapel? But who knows how he, what he painted it with? Does anyone know this is what makes the painting so profound and so great? Is that this man was in poverty and he painted it with a broken brush. He painted the greatest thing with a broken brush. And you know, God, he doesn't call you and use you because you're clever. He doesn't call you because you're qualified. He doesn't call you and use you because you're smart. He uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He takes the weak things and makes them powerful through his own power. And I've often said, that's what I think I am. Simply a broken brush in the hands of God. But you know what? When you go through that experience and you allow God to make you the broken brush, you know why it's important? Not to be that upright kernel of wheat, but to go through the breaking progress so you are that broken brush. Because when you're in that condition and the painting is made, all the glory goes to the artist, not the brush. You know, when they came to Peter after he preached that sermon, I'm telling you what, 3,000 Jews were converted and the all baptized in the Holy Spirit through this man's preaching. Everybody came up to Peter and I'm telling you, they said like, man, you're the man. Because it's human nature. And he said, no, I'm not. If you haven't been broken, you become a glory thief. But after you've been through God's school, all the glory goes to God. All the glory goes to God. So some people here, I had this message this week. I got it last Monday. And I know that you're in the school, God's school of preparation. And you know God wants to use you. And God wants you to know this. He, like, this, like these loaves, he takes you under himself if he's calling you. Then he blesses you because you're in the family of God. Then he breaks you in order to multiply the fruitfulness in you. And then he'll give you to the world, to nations. But we can't produce much at all if we are that shiny, self-confident, proud, single kernel of wheat. You know, I've th thought about this. I've seen preachers, they're like, they're like a kernel of wheat in a jar. <laughs> they look really good. They're very articulate. They look fancy. But they're in a jar, and they can't produce much. And I've thought over the years, I, there's a few, I don't listen to many preachers, but the few I like, and I thought about, I was talking to my wife this week, I was thinking, what is it that attracts me to that preacher? And there's, there's, you know, there's one preacher I like called Carter Conlon. 
And I think, how come there's other people that can preach the same message, but I like this guy. And when you hear his testimonies, of course, he's been broken. God broke him a million ways. And his ministry now produces much. So he doesn't, has a plan for us. He wants us, he wants you, whatever you think you can produce for God or God can produce through you as you are now. God wants to multiply it. He wants to produce multiples. But that bread didn't break in the blessing, didn't multiply in the blessing, it multiplied in the breaking. And the making is in the breaking. He doesn't break us to hurt us, he breaks us to make us. He made Joseph through the breaking. He made Israel from Jacob through the breaking. He made David and produced all those Psalms through brokenness. He made Peter. Peter through the brokenness. I, and I, I, I look at Peter's life later, and there's one, there's one passage that really amazes me and challenges me so much. It's when this man who is the, he's the rock upon which the church is built. He is, he is the guy, and he's the one who is, Jesus is using him in the first seven years of the church, and everyone else is really the support act. Peter is, is raising the guy at the gate of beautiful, the crippled guy. God's using Peter and John's just kind of the support act. Peter is raising uh, Dorcas from the dead. and He's doing everything that Jesus did. Peter, they lay people in the streets and his shadow passes by them and they're healed. This is Peter. And he's like, by this stage, in Gal- when you come to the book of Galatians, he's about 50, 55 years old. And there's this young guy who's just come into the church called Paul. And this big guy, Peter, who, you know, he's the apostle. He's he's the, the head of everything. The guy God is using. Everybody looks to. This young 40-year-old comes to him. Peter, Peter had a weakness. He was actually... The Bible says he was playing the hypocrite when, when, uh, when there were no Jews around, he'd eat with the Gentiles. But when the Jews came, because Jews don't eat with Gentiles, he would stop eating with the Gentiles. And, and this young Paul comes up and he says, in front of everybody, he confronts Peter. And he says, you've been a hypocrite. And I've, I've often been thought about this. Peter's response is, it's It's amazing. He just says to this young guy who's a nobody, he says, you're right. You're right. And he makes the adjustment. You know why he does that? One of the evidences that you have been broken under God is that you can be corrected and you can ask for forgiveness. If you're someone who is never wrong and you can never ask someone to be forgiveness, you need to be broken afresh by God. Because people who have really been broken, they're quick to apologize. Be weary and, and wary of people who are never wrong and never apologize. So, uh, some people hear you, you're going through this. 
And if you don't understand God's ways, you can feel dismayed. You can feel, I'm in this condition because maybe my faith is not strong enough. You know, because I've heard people preach that, that, you know, once you become a Christian, it's all blessing, ease, and comfort. But, but if you really want to go on, you really want to be used by God to get to the program, you've got to go through God's process. And God's processes are beautiful. They're thorough. You think about his son. You know, his son was, the church was, what, 70 people. And what happened? We take communion. You know, when we take communion, and you know a little bit of bread? If you watch me take it, I never eat it. I break it before I eat it. I always break it. Because it reminds me, at the cross, Jesus not only died for us, he was broken. His body was broken. And in that brokenness, the church that was 70 became 700 million. Because he takes us, blesses us, breaks us that we can multiply and be given unto the world. Who's been broken? I call it beautifully broken. Beautifully broken under the hand of God because the making is in the breaking. The most valuable thing you can know is not what you are, it's what you're not. What you're not without God. But when you really know what you, what you are and what you're not without God, that's when you can depend upon him. That's why he can move through you multiples. He can multiply what he's doing and he can trust you that after he does it, you'll give him all the glory. That's his plan. Maybe you're here today and, and uh, maybe you're in, you feel forgotten. There's a very good chance God could be in that. Maybe... You know, somebody's trying to correct you. Be corrected. Maybe you feel like you're just uh, in obscurity. Or maybe God himself, like Jacob, is trying to wrestle you out of your self-trusting, your self-will, your self-strength. He's trying to get you into the place. You, you, know, you know what that hip represents, Jacob hit? You know what it's called? It's called ego death. <laughs> when he emerged with that wrenched hit, it's ego death. And then he could be fully trusting on God. Sometimes we get broken, we've got to get broken again because we, we get back on that place where we think we're, 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 we're doing something, we're, we're capable of something. And God's got to take you right through the process again. But it is a beautiful thing. It is a wonderful thing to be used by God. It is a wonderful thing to see God's fruitfulness start to multiply. But it comes. comes after the breaking. So I want to pray for people today. This is not a rah, rah, rah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go God's service. It's like, this is how God works. His ways are not our ways. It is the upside down kingdom. He humbles us so he can exalt us. And he breaks us of all our pride and self-will so that he can make us in something that can multiply and be given to the world. And Father God, I thank you that Lord, 
To be in your hands is such a wonderful thing. To be that bread in the hands of Jesus, that's where I want to be. Where you can do whatever you want with my life. Where I'm not holding on to myself, where I've given myself fully to the Master. And when I give myself to you, when I give myself fully to you, there's only one evidence that that's when you're going to bless me. That you bless me when I come in. You bless me when I come out. Because you bless everything that is really yielded and given to you. You bless everything that is truly simply putty in your hands. But Lord, you not only bless us. You love us too much to leave us the same. You break us of our self-will. You break us of our pride. You break us of our self-dependence until we fully trust in you. Until we know that only through you can we accomplish anything. But Father, when we've gone through that school and we have learned to abandon all self-trust and all self-will and all self-confidence, but look to you. Lord, the fruit multiplies. And Father God, I declare multiplication and increase over every saint here today, that Lord, through the power of brokenness, the fruit in their life, the fruit of self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of salvations will actually multiply. The fruit of love, the fruit of joy, the fruit of peace will multiply in this season. And Lord, that you will give us to the world. You will give us to people in this season that are feeling hopeless, that are in darkness. And you will give us to them. And Father God, our lives will feed and nourish and save like that bread did because that's your plan. That's your plan to take, to bless, to break, to multiply and give us to this world. Lord, you can't give us to the world till we're broken. Help us to trust you, to abandon ourselves to you. And in that season, when you're breaking the self-will, to yield, to yield. Father, I thank you. This is the season where you want to give your church to the world and you want to multiply what has already been produced. Have your way in my life. Break me afresh. Make me something that can be more fruitful in this coming season. Do what you want. Have your way in your will completely. Father, I trust you. We've learned enough to trust you fully. And I thank you for the fruitfulness, the multiplication, the word that you promised me two years ago, that multiplication was coming through the blessing of brokenness. Oh, Lord, you are magnificent. And your ways are magnificent. They're so far above our ways. Help us daily to live your ways. In Jesus' name. Get ready to multiply, church. Get ready to see. You know, I just want to give a testimony. I've told you about pushing that swing. Maybe I've told it a hundred times in this church. So it's, a, it's not a new story I've told, but it's a, it's a fresh memory because it was so 
profound. You know, I knew God was with me when I was pushing that swing. I knew that, that he hadn't left me, hadn't done anything wrong, but it was just a hard season. But in that season, God showed me all my pride. He broke it off. All my self-sufficiency broke it off. When it was broken, it multiplied. And that ministry has gone from 20 people. We're now preaching to thousands all around the world. Planning churches, left, right, and center. Because when we're broken, we multiply. And we're given to the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All Jesus.